Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Let's join together and ask God for uh, guidance and direction as we pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your goodness and love, and we thank You for the privilege of coming to Your house and allowing Your Word to spill over our hearts and allow Your Spirit to speak into our lives. And Lord, we just pray that You will bless us as we seek to honor Your name and as we seek to grow closer to You. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. This morning I want to start out with asking you a question, and that is, is have you ever felt like uh, at any point in your life that you just haven't really, that you just really kind of failed? Have you ever kind of, uh, in anything that you've done, it doesn't matter if it's work or, or uh, relationships or, or uh, an assignment that you were given, just feel like you fell flat on your face and, and as if, uh, you know, you're just ready to give up and pitch it in and just not try anymore. I think all of us go through that from time to time. We no matter how talented, how gifted we are, no, no matter how uh, much ability that we have and how much uh, training and how much uh, uh, exercise or whatever it might be that we do, there is going to come a point in our life that we fail, that we falter, that we kind of uh, fall flat on our face and, and wonder, how in the world did I get here in this situation? I think uh, 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 a lot of us uh, might feel that way from time to time when we're in a relationship or when we're trying to deal with our children or when we're uh, going through issues at work or when we're having uh, difficulties. And a lot of times we, we say, well, what in the world can I possibly do to try and change things? A lot of times we want to uh, feel as though we want to get a new start or, or start over to uh, get a, a famous mulligan like they say in golf where uh, nobody knows how it really started but uh, where you try and, and it just really miffs and, and, or goes in the lake or, or hits in the middle of a sand trap and you say, I, I, I really want to try that again. Let me try that again and put down a new ball and, and try and hit it again. Problem is, a lot of times uh, when we do that, we, we just plop it right back right where the other one is uh, in the middle of the lake or, or hit an even worse shot. And in life, uh, it seems as though we want to just want to uh, just chuck it in from time to time. And, and what we really need to do is to have a fresh start, to restart, not, uh, not to, to simply uh, start over from the very beginning, but have a renewed desire to live for Christ, a renewed desire to do the things that we're doing wrong. A lot of times when we examine and when we look at those times in our life, we most likely, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll realize that we're not really doing things the way we should. We're not spending the time that we ought to in the Word of God we're, uh, like we need to day in and day out. 
If we're really honest with ourselves, we put ourselves in those situations many times with our lack of obedience and our lack of doing the right thing. It's not because we're evil. It's not because we're full of sin. It's not because uh, we uh, uh, don't have a desire to be in the right place with God or doing the right thing. It's just that we get busy in our day-to-day life. We put precedence on other things. We, we tend to say, well, you know, I, don't, I got up a little bit later this morning. That uh, extra five minutes in bed or extra ten minutes in bed threw my whole schedule off and now I don't have time for a Bible study before I set out for the day. Or uh, I, I'm so tired because I went and did some activity, went to a ball game, went and uh, worked out in the yard, did something, and now I'm just so tired I don't have time to spend a little bit of quiet time with God before I go to sleep. Uh, we do little things like that, those little decisions, not living our life the way we should, and it mounts up. It starts to take a toll. It starts to eat away at, at our position, our place with God. It, it begins to, to corrode things. You know, I used to uh, uh, have an old uh, Chevy Chevette. Uh, Robin, uh, I had it when I went to college. And I had it all four years through college. And Robin and I took it out to Texas with us when we moved out there for me to go to seminary. And one of the things that comes with having a car is you have to learn to take care of it. You can't just put gas in it and expect it to keep going forever. You have to, every every once in a while, at least check the oil and have an oil change from time to time. But I remember one time uh, I went out to the car and it just would not start. It, uh, it would it, it click and click and it wouldn't do anything. And I opened the lid, uh, opened the hood on it like I knew what I was going to see in there would tell me what was wrong. I just saw everybody else that, that couldn't get their car running to open the hood. I, I didn't know what I was looking at. It could have. The only thing that could have really helped me out was if somebody had gone in there and put a big yellow sign in the middle of my engine and said, "Look here, because here's the problem." Because <coughs> I didn't know the first thing. <coughs> excuse me about what was wrong with my engine. Didn't know the first thing about taking care of it. I learned real quick from time to time you need to check and make sure that your battery connections aren't corroded over. And what had happened was uh, all this corrosion had built up around the connections to that battery. It didn't matter how good the battery was with all that corrosion built up, it wasn't getting the juice to the engine like it needed to to crank it up. And the simplest thing was all I had to do was pour a little Coca-Cola over the top of it and let it uh, eat away at all that gunk and get rid of it and then it just start right up well our life is the same way from time to time we need to inspect it from time to time we need to look it over we need to uh, uh, make an evaluation of our life and do some simple maintenance some simple steps to keeping in the right place with God to keeping our life in order and when we do that 
things tend to go in the right direction. But you know what's even more important is? When something goes bad, we know how to deal with it. We know how to trust in God. We know how to rely upon Him. We know that our strength doesn't come from ourselves; It comes from God. And in those moments, we're stronger with God and therefore we are able to endure those heartaches and those difficulties. And so they're not as bad as they, uh, that they uh, might seem to others because we are in the right place. I, I, I don't know how many people I've uh, dealt with have had such grief in their life. For some people, that, uh, that when they lose a loved one and when they lose a, uh, somebody that's dear and close to their heart and life, they're just devastated. It takes them, some of them, years to get over the pain and the suffering of losing somebody that they love. And others, they don't love their, the person that they lost any less. It's just that they have a deeper understanding of where that person is. They have a deeper understanding of where their strength come, comes from. They have a, a greater peace in their life because they know that their life is in the hands of God and that this life is not all that there is and that they'll someday see that family member they love dearly and and be able to reunite with them. And the peace that is so different in their life compared to those that just fall apart is so astounding and it's because of their relationship with God. It's because of their understanding of who God is and it's because they know that their loved one is a child of God. How do we get there though? How do we achieve that? Well, all of us want to grow and mature in Christ. All of us want to, it, to do the best that we can to live the kind of life that we need to live. How do we do that? The first step today is what I want to talk about, and that is uh, that we need to worship correctly. We need to renew our worship. Worship with all of our heart. Worship with everything that is in us. And we find that here in Paul's letter to the uh, Romans. In uh, Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want us to look at these first two verses of Romans 12 and glean from it some practical steps on how to worship the way that God desires for us to worship. To worship in the way that God wants us to worship. To worship with all of our heart. Not just simply be here because that's uh, uh, what uh, uh, you were drug here to do, you know, you're uh, coming here against your will and, and mama or grandmama drug you here uh, because uh, you weren't going to hear the last of it until you came. Uh, we need to come and worship with all that is within us and come to a right relationship with God in our worship. Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. He says, I'm imploring you. That's uh, what beseech means. It means uh, I'm uh, requesting at the highest level of request. He says, I urge you and I desire for you to have a right relationship with God. God's desire is, is that we have uh, the kind of worship that is, the kind, that is acceptable, that is uh, pleasing to God and 
Paul is, is speaking to the church here in Rome and he's saying to them, listen, you need to understand the kind of relationship that you have. You need to understand the kind of, of, of privilege that you have in worshiping God. And we need to have the same attitude in that when we approach worship. Paul spent the first 11 chapters of Romans of telling uh, these uh, um, Gentiles of the joy that has come to them because of salvation, because of a right relationship with God, to help them to understand that God first came to the Israelites and allowed the Israelites to hear the message of God and to beseech the Israelites first to be the people of God, but they rejected God. And he said because of their rejection, because of their desire to to set aside uh, the worship of God in the way that God desired for them to worship, God extended His love towards the Gentiles, to them, the Roman people, uh, to us, the Gentiles of this day and age. We owe our, our relationship to God because God opened the door for... <coughs> excuse me open the door for us to receive that wonderful love, to receive that wonderful opportunity at salvation. And he says, I implore you because of that, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, that you worship God in the appropriate way. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and, and the mercies of God is what I just shared with you about how God opened the door for us to, to be able to worship Him and to be a part of the family of God. He says that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He says when we come to worship, in order for us to have a, a proper worship, in order for us to have the right kind of worship relationship with God that we need to have, we need to give our whole self over to God. We can't just simply come in here and, and say, well, you got an hour of my time, entertain me, make me feel good, help me to laugh a little bit, help me to feel like I, I really got something and I'll go home and spend the rest of my week and the rest of my time doing whatever I want and doing whatever I please and doing how, uh, living my life the way I want to live. No, that's not what God wants for us. God desires that we worship Him with our whole self, that we worship Him with everything that is within us, that we put ourselves completely into uh, to the worship of God. And you need to understand a few things about how Paul is relating this. He says that we need to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. First of all, I want you to understand that Paul uses a, a type of word that, that means that when we sacrifice that we give our whole self, every part. Normally the word that is used is a word that means uh, parts like uh, legs and thighs and, and arms and that kind of thing, meaning uh, certain portions of the offering that was given over and other portions that were set aside for other purpose. And he says, no, when we give ourselves over to God, we need to give ourselves over as a whole sacrifice, every aspect of ourselves, all that we have, everything that is in us. Every aspect, we don't hold anything back, but we give ourselves completely to God. And every aspect of who we are is that we lay it upon the altar of God and allow God to have that 
in our life, you might say, well, how do I translate that for me today? And now I realize that we don't have a system, uh, you didn't grow up in a system where we had an altar out here in front of the church and everybody came with a sheep or a goat or with a, a lamb or, or with a uh, a pig or anything like that or doves or anything and that we slaughter it in front of the church and empty out the blood on the altar and then we lay the altar uh, the offering on the on the altar and allow uh, it to burn up in front of our eyes. I realize that that's not our, our tradition. That's not the way that we worship. That's not something that any of us has experienced. And uh, this is not something that we're familiar with. But uh, the people in uh, Rome understood that because that was not just the practice of the Israelites in terms of offering up a sacrifice to a god. It was what was done for a large number of gods that were worshipped. And in that pagan society of Rome, there was many altars and there were many places of worship. There was many ways of worshiping. And uh, some uh, of those uh, altars that were uh, uh, given over to the worship of different gods, they, people would come and they would uh, uh, get a, a lamb and they would uh, cut off, uh, they would slaughter the lamb, they would kill the lamb, and they would cut off a portion of it and put that on the offering and keep some of the rest. That's kind of like coming into uh, to church and when the offering plate comes by, you put some money in and you get take change out of it because uh, you don't want to give a whole 20. Uh, you just want to give $10. So you put a 20 in and get a $10 out because uh, you only want to give $10. Uh, uh, and this sermon is not about offerings, it's not about giving money, but it's about offering ourselves as a sacrifice because, you know, money is an easy way, an easy out of, of showing obedience to God. Uh, it doesn't take anything to write a check or put money in the offering plate but let me ask you something. If I was to come to you and I was to say, you know, uh, uh, we need to have somebody help out with Vacation Bible School or we need to have somebody to help out with children or we need to have somebody teach a class. Oh, I don't know about that, Brother Carl. I, I don't have time to study uh, Scripture like I'm supposed to for, uh, for teaching a lesson. I don't know if I can uh, teach children and do that. I don't know if I... Because why? Because it takes commitment. It takes extra time and effort to do those things. It takes uh, a desire to, to serve God. It takes a commitment to living for Him day in and day out and ensure that we're in a right, replace, a right relationship with God when we come and serve Him. It's kind of... Uh, of a uh, blasphemous thing to, to say, I'm going to come and worship God and have sin in your life and, and then teach a Sunday school lesson or, or, or teach children. Uh, it's kind of a blasphemous type of thing to try and tell other people about how to live if, you don't, if you're not living right yourself. And I understand that some people just don't want to make that kind of commitment. But that's what Paul is talking about. We give our whole self on the altar. We give ourselves completely on the altar. We allow God to consume our life and in every aspect of our life that he has control that he has dominion that he is the lord of our life not just on sunday morning he's the lord of our life not just when we come into church but in every aspect of our life we need to give ourselves completely and wholly over to god but he says not just to give yourself as a sacrifice that is dead and is a one-time gift but as a living sacrifice 
It is to be, uh, a, He encourages us to be a living sacrifice, that it's a renewing sacrifice. It is something that we carry out throughout the rest of our life, not just something that we decide all at one time to give and to throw on the altar and then that's it, poof, we're done, but to give continually to God, to give ourselves completely and wholly over to Him. Allow Him dominion and, and rule in our life in every aspect at all times from now until, the rest, uh, until our life is over. We're called to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That, that, that takes it a different direction because we're to, to give ourselves not on our terms, but on what God wants. Holy and acceptable unto God. We can't just simply say, you know, well, I'll, I'll give a little bit and nobody will know. I'll do some, but nobody will know about this aspect of my life over here. I'll keep that hidden. Now, God knows all that we are. He knows every aspect of us. If we hold back, if we uh, do things in our own terms, not give ourselves completely over to Him... God knows. You might fool some. You might fool a lot. But God knows. He's aware. We're to give ourselves according to His desire, not our own. To be a holy and acceptable gift unto Him. According to His terms. Secondly, not only are we to give ourselves completely on, on the altar as a, as a sacrifice... But we are also to not be conformed to the world. He says, And be ye not conformed to this world. See, Paul understood and knew that it was a challenge. It is a struggle. Especially for these people because they had not lived a life of understanding who God is for their whole life like the children of Israel. From the very early age, from the time that you can understand things, Throughout your life in Israel, you heard of all the things that God did. You understood and knew all the things that God expected out of you. You had all kinds of rituals and all kinds of uh, practices to emphasize the holiness of God, to emphasize uh, all the uh, things that God had done for you, all the, uh, uh, the miracles that God had performed in your lifetime and in the lifetimes of your ancestors to demonstrate His love and to express to you His desire to, that you be a part of His family, that you're a part of the family of God. But these people, they didn't have any of that. They didn't, have, they didn't grow up in that understanding. And so Paul wanted to emphasize to them that once you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, once you gave yourself over to God, that it is something that you have to continually struggle for, that it's something that you have to continually strive for, that you not be conformed to this world, not, don't allow yourself to, be, to have the faith that was built into your life to be chipped away and to be uh, uh, stripped away from you and allow the things of the world to enter in, allow the things that, that come into the world, uh, uh, from the world into your life and cause you to have distance from God. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't allow yourself to look like the rest of the world. 
That's conformity. Conformity is, 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 is when the world comes to you and says, you know, you used to do all these things. No more. You can't do that anymore. You can't use this word. You can't uh, uh, talk this way. You can't act this way. You can't do that way. Well, I, you say back to them, well, I, I don't know. I've been doing those things for all my life. Well, you can't do those things anymore. You, we hear about that a lot nowadays, don't we? We hear a lot of people say you have to say these things, you have to do these things in order to be like the rest of the world. You can't act this way that you used to act. You have to act this way. You can't uh, be a Christian and talk about Christian things in public. You can't uh, talk about God in public. That's just not right. Well, I have free speech. I ought to be able to do that. Well, that's beside the point. You can do that thing, those things at home. You can do those things in your heart. You can do those things at church, but don't do those things around other people. Well, that's who I am. Well, it doesn't matter. Okay, well, I'll do those things. Well, what about these people? They're saying all kinds of things, and, and they're not uh, keeping it to themselves. Well, that doesn't matter. You're going to have to do this to be accepted. You have to do this in order for you to be a part of society, a part of the world. Paul says, uh, and God is directing us through the words of Paul, don't allow yourself to look like the rest of the world. Don't allow yourself to conform to the norms of this world and conform to their rules, but rather uh, that we need to, what does he say next? Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye, what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow God to come into your heart and life. Allow God to change you from the heathen, uh, Gentile uh, person that is at enmity with God, person that uh, uh, fights against God's desire for your life, and allow God to change you. Well, that transformation is an indication that this is not something that you do yourself. It's not something that we decide and we start uh, making a plan on how we can achieve that in our own life. It, uh, but rather, it, it transformation indicates something that, that happens within us. When you look at a, a worm that goes and makes a cocoon, you know that in a little while, what's going to happen? A butterfly is going to come out. Do you think that worm decided, oh, you know, I think it's time for me to become a butterfly. You know, I, I think, I think I, I'm tired of crawling around all this time. I'd really like to fly. I'm going to go and make myself a cocoon. No, it's something that happened because of what God put within that worm. It, it's something that happened that, uh, that God caused that change in, their, in, the, in the appearance and the, uh, the uh, characteristics of that worm not because of something that they did, not because of something that they orchestrated or decided, but it's because of what God was doing within the life of that, uh, that worm to become a butterfly. And that transformation that Paul talks about here is something that we don't control, it's something that we allow God to do in our life, that we uh, turn control of our life over to God and allow Him to accomplish within us. He says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to allow God to transform us, to change us, and allow God to, uh, to work within us we do that by allowing Him to change who we are as a person, 
to change out the way in which we think, to transform us to the child of God that He desires for us to be. This is significant for the people of Rome because all up until now, up until this time, the Israelites looked at them as nothing more than dogs. That's what a Gentile was to an Israelite. You're not worthy of the God, uh, understanding God because, or having a relationship with God because you're a dog. You're not human. You're uh, subhuman in their minds. You're not worthy of it. Paul is telling them that God has made us worthy. God has changed us and transformed us into the new creation that we are. He's changed us from the inside out, but we have to allow God to to change us and, and to renew our minds, to change us from the person that we were to the creation He desires. Is it normal for us to, to simply turn the other cheek when someone comes and, and spits in our face? Is it normal for us to, to not want retribution when somebody does something against us? Is it normal to be forgiving and loving to those that hate us? Well, no. But those are characteristics of what someone with God's presence in our life, that's, those are characteristics of someone who's had their minds changed and transformed, that their, their life has been renewed by God, and we have a renewal of who we are by the way in which we worship. And it all begins by placing ourselves fully on the altar of God, allowing Him dominance, lordship, control. And this is the beginning how we reset our life and allow God to renew us and transform us to the people that He calls for us to be. So today, I encourage you. You want a change in your life? You want a difference in your life? Begin by worshiping with your whole heart. Worshiping with all of who you are. Giving yourself on the altar of God that He might change you. Today it begins for you if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart and life by giving yourself over to Him, literally offering yourself to Him, allowing Him control, lordship, and dominance in your life, allowing Jesus Christ entrance into your life to change you, transform you, make you a new creation. You do that by coming forward and allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to be your Savior, accepting His wonderful gift of salvation and changing your life, beginning that transformation in you. If you're a child of God and you've been struggling, you've been uh, trying to do things on your own terms, in your own way, uh, it begins today with coming forward and saying, you know, God, I've been trying to do this in my own self and I realize I can't do this myself. I need to submit to you. Allow you to change me. Allow you to transform me. Allow you to make me into the new creation I've called, uh, desired to be. If you're someone here today that has been uh, uh, living your own life, doing your own thing, not serving God, it begins by offering yourself on the altar of God as a sacrifice and say, God, I've been making a mess of my life. I've been making a mess of everything that I've touched. Today I want a new start. I want a new beginning. I want to begin it by giving myself wholly to you, by worshiping you, by giving myself as a living sacrifice to you. 
We invite you to come today if that's your desire. If you need to uh, renew your life, if you want to just simply uh, uh, come before God and say, God, I I have made a complete mess. I want you in control of my life. We want you to come. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, Lord, we praise you and thank you for your great love. And we praise you for the fact that you allow us a fresh start, a renewed life, a changed life. We pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today that needs to make that change in their life, that needs to give their heart and life over to you or recommit their life or simply just want to start living the life that they have been called to live, we pray, Lord, that you give them encouragement and courage to step forward and begin that journey today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.